Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 66 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show and admin for the Baseball 365 Facebook group. And you can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365. I will admit I don't put, I don't tweet too much on that one. I mostly do it from the Baseball 365 Pod Twitter. And you can also follow Andrew at AMCQ82. And we'll bring Andrew on right now. And Andrew, my question of the week for you is there have been some big injuries announced this past week or two. That would be Stanton, Judge, Stale, Severino being the headliners. How many shares of this guys, these guys have you been hit with? I've got one of Stanton, one of Judge, one of Sale, and zero of Severino. Well, given you're in, what, 12 leagues, that's not too bad, right? Yeah. Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm exaggerating yeah. a bit. How many redrafts are you in? I think it's like seven, something like that. Ooh, four, okay. Okay. Dynasty. I mean, I haven't drafted all of them yet, but um, yeah, I've got. I actually got Judge and Stanton in the same league in the, D- the DH two draft, so that's not fun. But yeah, yeah, not not too bad yet. I mean, it's just then today we get hit with Verlander. I've got a couple of him, so yeah, we'll be talking about Verlander here in a bit. But it just seems like the big. Na- it's the big names, the ones that are getting hurt. I, you don't. I'm not hearing too many of the my, like just mediocre guys. It seems like the big ones have been getting hit hard this off season, or I, I should say this spring. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, this is good. we're part one of the starting pitching preview podcast where Andrew and I are going to be breaking down the NFBC ADP for these pitchers and giving our thoughts on who where were they're going and who we like, who we dislike. Uh, so before we get started on pitching, Andrew, I just thought I'd ask you, what is, has been your strategy with pitching and redraft leagues this year? I like, obviously everybody likes to get one of the big aces. I haven't done it too much. Just, I mean, I still got some redrafts left to do, but, uh, if I get, if it's more of like a back end ace, I like to back them up pretty quick and I'm pretty comfortable waiting like on my three four starters because i think after you get past the big guys there's a lot of guys that are really similar so i'm kind of just pick your guys out of the next group and that's kind of kind of how i do it so trying to get a couple guys early and then just waiting for the for a little while is that something yeah 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 i feel like i i feel comfortable waiting quite a while actually on my three and four as long as i feel good about my top top two so there's more and more industry folks saying that to where if you can have two co-aces you can really i mean that can carry your whole rotation especially you could just be streaming guys two start pitchers and just finding guys on the wire i do hear a lot of people talking about that right now um yeah Next question for you, what round or about how many pitchers going off the board are go before you've kind of left your comfort zone if you've not drafted your first starting pitcher yet? Uh, I definitely like to get one in the first, I'd say three, three rounds. 
I'm not real in love with the pitchers in rounds two and three, at least not all of them. I mean, there's a few I like, but I actually feel pretty decent about taking one in round one just because I like the bats behind those arms better than the than going the opposite, you know. In a lot of instances, I mean, it depends. But I haven't been in a spot yet where I've gotten Kohler to Grom, so it's hasn't exactly uh, come to fruition, I guess. But, yeah, I – I would say the top three rounds. I don't want to wait a real long time. Probably like 12, 13 guys. I mean, I don't have – my order isn't the exact order that we're going to go through with the ADPs, but somewhere in there where I'm comfortable having my, my first pitcher. And if it's the back part of that, then I'm backing them up, like I said, with my second guy pretty quick. Yeah, with all my mocks and drafts I've done this offseason, I've been at the back half of the first round in almost all of them. And I've been like you. I've wanted to get the ace first just because I'll take the bat, whatever bat gets to me. I feel a lot better about that than, like you were saying, not like it, not loving a lot of these pitchers in round two to where I'd rather get the bat in round two and just get the ace that I know I feel good about. And then just see what's there in rounds three and four. So yeah, we're kind of in we're in agreement there, and we'll just start this off with the top pitcher going in NFBC drafts this year, and it's Garrett Cole, newly signed three hundred million dollar man with the Yankees. Um, you know, Cole went to Houston two years ago, and after floundering in Pittsburgh, he finally reached his upside and became that ace that people thought he was going to be coming out of the draft. And now he's going to the big city, to New York, to pitch for the Yankees. And there have been big stars who have gone to New York and struggled over the in the, over the years in their first year. I was just thinking of some of the guys. A-Rod had his share of bumps, Randy Johnson, Stanton just a couple of years ago. But still not quite as – he was still really good, Stanton was, but just not quite as good as many had hoped. And Cole is going there with a $325 million contract, I think. And the Yankees pitchers are dropping right now. He's going to have a ton of pressure. So I'm kind of spinning a narrative here. And does any of this narrative I just pointed out give you any pause taking Cole with a pick in the first half of the first round as the first pitcher off the board? No, not at all. I, I There's only a few super, super aces that I feel like you can count on. He's definitely one of them, probably the best of the bunch. It's it really a lot of it. It's it's a team construction thing, you know. It's like you could sit here all day and say who would you take five overall or eight overall or ten overall, but a lot of it just has to do with what you're taking after that and how you want to set your team up. Uh, I mean, sixteen point eight percent swinging strike rate last year. That's the high. I went back twenty years the highest in 20 years since the year 2000 still getting better durable great team obviously most strikeouts for a right-handed starter since nolan ryan in 1977 i mean wow. the, gap, the gap between him and maybe not the next guy but when you get even go down to like number six or number seven i just feel like it's huge and i'm talking myself more and more into taking I think if I was drafting today and I had the fourth pick, I'd take Garrett Cole after the top three hitters. Man. 
Well, and I'd t- and I'd take. I'll just say I'd, I'd take to ground five. I'm pretty sure I would. I mean, it's just the drop off is just so big. You got to have those. You know, the pitching. It's just uh, so important. So I'm comfortable doing that, especially because those. Like we've said, a lot of those bats, I feel like they're very similar. So I'm comfortable doing it with those guys. It's the hard part with pitching, you know. Pitching is so much more volatile with injuries than bats. But on the same note, if you have one of these aces and they stay healthy all year, it's just such an advantage that you get. Yeah. Kind of like it's it's very similar to running backs in fantasy football in that way. You're dealing with a very risky position, but they're just so it's such an advantage having one of those elite guys that you just got to take the chance. So. Yeah, it's like one of those things. I mean, we've talked about it with in dynasty leagues. It's like I'm not necessarily saying that I would trade my entire farm system or, you know, a ton of really good players to get one of these guys for the long haul. But in a redraft league, I mean, it's just this year and you kind of have to have pitching you know it's just um i definitely i'm getting it as the as the off season has progressed and i'm kind of uh you know learning the player pool more and more as you go and you do more and more drafts it just is making a lot more sense to me to take these uber elite aces higher and higher and you know if something happens it happens but a lot of the bats are just really, uh, really similar guys that I feel like. I mean, I've said before. I think a lot of the round two hitters, you could are conceivable. They're almost just like they're they could be first round hitters. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of them. It's like there's more than fifteen of them. But you get down to the even the tenth to the fifteenth starting pitcher, and you already are having question marks. So I, I don't know. I get it with these top handful. I I don't mind being aggressive on them. And we'll just move on to the guy you said you were taking number two, number five, possibly overall. And that's Jake DeGrom, the now two-time Cy Young Award winner, the one the last two years. And now he's sitting as the top fantasy pitcher in the National League. At this point, the only negative you can make about DeGrom really doesn't have a lot to do with him, but the team he plays on. And that's that he's just won 21 games over the last two years combined. But wins are luck-based. And I guess you just set, answered my question. DeGrom is cl- your number two pitcher, right? Yeah, he'd be my number two. I, I think that they're close. If you wanted to put DeGrom one, you could put DeGrom one. I mean, like you said, the wins, wins it's a fluke. I mean, it's nice that we're getting away with the uh, – or getting away from the wins being needed to win the Cy Young. He's won back-to-back Cy Youngs, and he's – won 11 and 10 games in the two years. So it's yeah. nice that we're nice that we're getting away from that. But yeah, just a lead across the board, 144 ERA, 0.83 whip in the second half, and 94 innings. I mean, he's, he's awesome. Obviously great guy to build your pitching staff around. I think it was Felix Hernandez was, was kind of the groundbreaker for this that year. He won the Cy Young with 13 wins and yeah, it's great that, um, people who are voting for these awards, they're getting more progressive. So you're saying that Cole, um, DeGrom is closer to Cole than the rest of this tier, the next tier behind him, correct? 
Yeah, I think so. I'm in a draft now. Cole went five and DeGrom went seven to NFBC draft champions is 50 round draft and hold. So it's in that, you know, right in that range. But yeah, I think I've seen them go basically back to back a lot. Like I said, it just comes down to how you want to start your team. And kind of when you're looking at the first few rounds, like whether it be three rounds or five rounds or whatever, and kind of mapping out your upcoming picks, a lot of it, I think it just comes down to, are you more comfortable with taking the hitters in those next few rounds or the pitchers in those next few rounds? And I think that's why you see these guys kind of going a little bit higher. I think a lot of people, a lot of smart people are decide have just made the decision that they're comfortable taking the hitters in rounds, you know, two, three, four, three, four, five, whatever. You know, I think I would take DeGrom first. I've really thought about this, and I didn't end up with a draft where I was early in the first round in any redraft. But I just, I think I would feel a little safer with DeGrom staying where he's at as compared to Cole going to New York. And that could be a good thing for him. He could end up, I shouldn't say a good thing because he was in a great situation beforehand. But that New York thing gives me just a little pause. I'm not saying I'm dropping him in a big way, but I think it just makes me feel a little safer with DeGrom. Cole's definitely still a top two and clearly above anybody else behind him. So, yeah, I agree. They're in a tier by themselves up there. Um, moving on to the next three, we're, I'm going to group these guys together. I'm trying to group these pitchers around when the, that are going close together and Justin Verlander is third with an ADP of 13 Max Scherzer's at 16 as is Walker Bueller at 16 and like I said these are pretty much a tier together going three picks apart so Andrew how are you ranking these guys in redraft leagues well, it kind of at this point, it kind of just depends on what the news on Verlander is. I mean, I would have said Ver, the same order you read them off. I think Verlander, Scherzer, Bueller. I think Verlander's closer to Colin Degrom personally than I do Scherzer and Bueller. But obviously, now if he's hurt, I mean that changes things. So it's kind of a wait and see. I we don't have enough information right now to really say too much on, on that as far as what's going on. They said it's precautionary. I made the joke like that's what they always say. Everything's, mm-hmm. precaution- everything's precautionary. So it could be nothing. It could be something. I don't really know right now. But We may not know about that for a few days. So I got to ask, if you were actually drafting right here, what would you be doing? Because there are people who are drafting in the next day or two that they're going to be in the spot. What would you advise them with something like this if there's no update? This what we have right now is all we know. As far as taking Verlander or Yeah. Where where do you think you'd be like, okay, I gotta take him? Like you would maybe the back of this tier, but before the next one? Or what would you do? Uh yeah, probably it's tough. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's really it's really hard to answer, honestly. I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, you have to be in that spot really to know, but it's like I mean, the number of people that are in that exact spot in this exact moment, I don't know. It's just I haven't even had time to process that yet. Yeah, it's it's early. I I've had a weird feeling about Verlander all offseason, and this isn't an I told you so because the this is happening to a lot of guys right now. But 
and I'm not even saying that to you. I'm just saying that in terms of, in general, I've had this weird feeling. And I think it's mostly because he was just getting hit around all last year in the playoffs. Getting hit around, I shouldn't say all last year, but he got banged around a few times. And I just wondered if this is going to be the year it falls apart. But I wasn't expecting injury. And I hope he's all right because for baseball, we're just having too many aces dropping right now. And the Astros sure as heck need him. With Cole gone, this would be a huge blow to that team if they were now down to Grinky and McCullers and Urquity as their top three. That could that would be horrible for that squad. Yeah, yeah, that would change everything. What order would you put these guys in? Scherzer, Bueller, Verlander. That's how I had it going in. Uh, I know Scherzer had some of the next stuff, and he's getting up there in years. And everything I just said about Verlander. More people, I think, are feeling that way about Max. I don't know. I'm not really feeling that caution right now. And then Bueller, it's all about innings and how many innings the Dodgers are going to let him throw. What, what what would you project his innings for this year? Just guessing right now. 195. Yeah, and that's exactly where why he's back here is you really can't project 220 like you could for all these other guys if they're healthy but they're gonna be 195 really good innings though i hope someday they're letting him go to 220 and we might be talking about him as the number one overall pitcher at that point the other thing is is if it keeps him healthy it's probably worth it to agreed you know keep the innings kind of where they're at and i'm kind of Started feeling that way with Bueller the last, I don't know, six months to a year. I I could see them just forever doing this if if it's going to keep them healthier long term. I mean, they may never go to 220, you know. It's smart. I mean, you look at yeah. some of these guys, and I, I think of Felix Hernandez specifically. He thro- throws a lot of the innings all those years, and then all of a sudden it just falls apart. And the longer you can get out of get keep somebody healthy if it's by throwing them 195, 200 innings. I'm all for that. So, yeah, I think it's smart by the Dodgers. And we, I say all this, the Dodgers are also a team that's winning their division every year, and it's easy for them to make that decision because they're going to be in the playoffs with or without Bueller. So that does help. Yeah, yeah, they're able to kind of play around with it more than a lot of teams just because they have that luxury. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, next here we got six through nine here. Jack Flaherty with the Cardinals at 23 overall. Mike Clevenger, who's now hurt and going to be dropping on this list, probably quite a bit lower if I updated this now, but he's 27. Shane Bieber with his teammate is at 28 overall, and Steven Strasburg just under 29th overall. So Clevenger's hurt. The other three are going pretty close together here. Who would you take first out of that group? Uh, I think Flaherty and Strasburg are pretty much neck and neck. I think it's really close. I'd I'd probably lean Strasburg, but probably the minority. Uh, Just one of those things with Strasburg, I just felt like and continue to feel like every single time he's on the mound, he's an ace. I mean, he's, his career numbers are right there with Max Scherzer's, basically the same. 
and it's been over a long period of time. I just trust him. I know he's an ace. I mean, these other guys, like nothing against Flaherty and Bieber, but they've popped up in the last year, year and a half. Strasburg's been doing this for a decade. Like, I'm just not... I mean, there's people that are like kind of leaning on the narrative of him throwing so many innings and last season. And I mean, obviously he can get hurt, but any of them can get hurt. Like, I just, I don't like using that as something. I mean, he just threw whatever it was, 245 innings, including the playoffs. And I don't think that because he did that, he's any more likely to get injured. I just, I just don't believe that. So. I think him and Flaherty are close. Flaherty definitely does impress me. Bieber, I would have Bieber behind, put it this way, I'm, I'm not getting Bieber anywhere. I'd have him behind more guys than he is on like this list, ADP, whatever. Why do you feel that way about Bieber? I, he, he's popped up a lot. Uh, I'm just not real comfortable with him. His, his fastball isn't good, and I just like guys who play off the fastball. Uh, average average exit velocity and his hard hit percentage were both bottom 5% in the league. And I I do think that he'll have a lot of volume, like he'll pitch a lot of innings. Probably he'll get a lot of strikeouts, but I don't know. I just – I feel like some of these other guys I'm just more comfortable with, and I just – I think this is kind of – you're putting everything into – just what he did last season, like, this is it. He's a super ace, and I'm not really totally convinced of that. So, Yeah, in a way, he's, like you just said, with the not having a big fastball com- command control guy. And I think he is better than the comp I'm about to give. But Dallas Keuchel, I remember him having that great year in 2015 where he was a 20-game winner, had Cy Young Awards votes, control guy. And... Then all of a sudden, you know, he wasn't hitting his spots as well the next year. And Keuchel was throwing 88, 89. Bieber's still throwing in the low 90s at least. But it just, it feels like last year everything went right. And it's hard to project that. So I'm in agreement with you. I asked the question in a way where it seemed like I was not in agreement. But yeah, I have not been touching Bieber in drafts at the yeah. at, at his price. I, I think Bieber's really good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just, I think we're talking about the second round, you know, it's like, and this is, this is another reason him and a couple of these other guys are another reason. I would just rather take Kohler DeGrom in the first and not have to deal already this early in the draft with a few of these guys that I'm just not comfortable taking this high. I would probably take Shane Bieber in like round four, round five, but that's not going to get him this year. And that's fine. So Flaherty, he's a middle second round pick here, and he is a guy I know we both liked a year ago at this point, but on the same note, he was he's only coming off of pretty much a half of a year of pitching like an ace. He was not good in the first half last year, not that great, I should say. So what's your comfort level with him? Well, it's kind of one of those things with Flaherty, I, I didn't feel like when if you'd have, if we'd have had this conversation in November, I would have probably said I wasn't comfortable with it. I probably did say that, but you also start looking at all these names, and it's like Clevenger's hurt. I just yeah. said what I said. I just said what I said on Bieber. Snell's having elbow issues. Sales hurt. 
I mean, you can go down get somebody even further. It's like, who are you going to put there? You got to mm-hmm. put somebody there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I don't think there's probably a bunch of profit potential taking Jack Flaherty in round two, but you don't have to absolutely win on every pick. You know, breaking even is fine. And I think Flaherty's a stud. I kind of always have. I'm, I'm a little surprised he's gotten to this level, but I believe in it for the most part. So I'm more comfortable than I was a couple months ago, I'd say, taking him in this area. Yeah. Okay. Well, number 10 and 11 pitchers on this board are very interesting names. I'll just list them off, and then we're going to go into them both. Blake Snell with the um, Rays at 34 overall, and Chris Sale at 36. And this is before the a lot of drafts the last few days where he has tumbled. Originally, I was going to ask you about these two and which one you felt would rebound better after struggles with performance and injuries last year. But we'll start with Sale here. Now he has elbow problems and has been sent. He has sent an MRI to Dr. James Andrews. Then he had a second opinion and a third opinion with a doctor. And after the third visit, it's been said he's not having Tommy John surgery at this time. Some are having a sigh of relief here. And I'm not sure I am personally. He had to go get three different doctors to look at him before... He got. He came to this decision, and that leads me to believe that he didn't like the first reporter or two. I'm personally really skeptical if we see him pitch this year. What are your thoughts on where Sale right now? Uh, it's just kind of a wait, wait and see type of thing. I, I think I read with no setbacks. They think he could be back in May. I think at this point. You kind of have to just anything you get from sale, you just kind of have to be happy with. Uh, I took him in early round three with Strasburg. So I took, I had the second pick in TGFBI. I had the second pick, took Trout, and then took Strasburg and sale. And I, I was loving it, honestly. I mean, until all this news came down. I know, I know there's high risk with sale, but in an overall competition, I mean, let's just. I know it's hard to remember right now, but let's just realize that there was some risk already baked into sales price. I mean, if Chris sale was completely healthy before all of this, he's going at like the wheel where Walker Bueller is. He's not going in round three. So I, I feel like there's been a lot of uh, people taking victory laps. Like I told you, so Chris sales hurt and, that's fine. It's just, it's kind of annoying to me. And I, like I said, I only have him in one league, but I mean, it's like, do we want a stud like this injured? I mean, I don't think anybody does. I definitely know I don't. I, as far as going forward, I mean, it's just one of those, you just got to wait and see. I don't know. I, I'd probably take a shot on him now in like the middle rounds, maybe. I don't, maybe like round 12, somewhere in there. I'd have to, actually put him up against the name and be, and it would depend on the previous pitchers that I had and how I felt about him. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely a chance he doesn't pitch on the whole year. So it's hard for me to talk rationally about him without a bias because I had him last year and it was just brutal owning that guy for the majority of that stretch. So I can't, it's hard for me to even talk about him. But you're doing a draft right now, correct? Don't you have the draft yeah. champions draft going on? Where are you guys yeah. at? 
We are at we're in round six. We're at pick eighty, and he's okay. still on the board. He's still on the board. So you're not thinking about taking him anytime soon, but if maybe one sixty, two hundred ish around, you think if yeah. he's still there, you might take a flyer. I don't really know. I mean, when I say round twelve, it may be later than that. I there's no precedent for this. It's not mm-hmm. like there's so many drafts that you do, or you know, you look. Oh, where is this guy going roughly? And I mean, it's really hard because it typically people are basing it off of projections and you know taking a look at adp to get a gauge of where people are taking guys uh there's no there's no data with this chris sale stuff because it's all fluid and happening in the moment so it probably will be one of the those things where in this draft it's just like you're looking at the board and you feel comfortable doing it but it's probably going to be a while i mean i don't expect him to go anytime soon there's a lot, a lot of question marks, you know, especially now. I mean, it's, uh, it's just, it's hard to say it, until we get more news. I mean, I feel like we'll get more in the next week or two, but until you get that, I mean, he's, he's definitely going to miss a chunk of time and there was questions beforehand. So if there's a setback, I mean, yeah, he could miss the whole year. I'm scared. We don't hear much of anything between now and opening day now, because He's shut down and healing with this whatever's going on. I'm worried we don't hear hardly anything other than maybe he's feeling a little better and doing some throwing on the side there. Some actually, I don't even think that'll happen till April. I'm gonna just try to throw one at you here. I scrolled down on my notes at these pitchers, and I know that you've taken Kershaw and you have taken you Darvish in that in this draft so far, correct? Yeah. Okay, let's say you have not taken another pitcher again until, let's say, around round 12. So we're pick 180 or so. And the top pitcher on your board right now is David Price. Could you see yourself taking Sale or David Price, one or the other? Let's say you have not taken another pitcher in all this time. David Price, 100%. I agree. That's. I'm not going to keep doing this to you, a bunch of them, but I wanted to... Just yeah, throw a well, name around I, there and see what you would say. The thing is, is I'll have my third pitcher before that. Okay. But, and I think Price is going too low, like with this, yes. because since he went to the Dodgers and stuff, I think it's going up. So it's a combination of that stuff, but. That's why I picked yeah. Price. I knew you liked him at that price, and we'll talk about him later on. But that's exactly why I threw him in there, is I knew you liked him. Yeah, I don't even actually I could even be off quite a bit. I don't I don't know exactly where I would would take him. It it would definitely be after David Price though. Okay. Well, we'll move on to Blake Snell, the other guy of these this group of two here. And he had an ERA north of four and missed the second half of the season last year. And then we fast forward to a week ago and he had a cortisone shot in his left left elbow. Albeit it was the opposite side of the elbow from the UCL. So he, and he's, I think supposed to be throwing or maybe even pitching in a game this um, early in this next upcoming week. But I'll admit I went into this year thinking he will, he would rebound and be really good this year. But despite that, an ADP of 34 does not feel like enough of a discount for me to feel I can invest in this guy. What do you think? 
Yeah, I'm not. I think that there's not enough of a discount. You throw in the this little elbow thing. I don't think this is a big deal. It sounds like he's actually pitching tomorrow. Yeah. So it could wind up being nothing. I, I think around here is fine. What do you? Who would you take between uh, Blake Snell and Shane Bieber? Oh, that's a good question. I think I'm going Snell, but yeah, that's just more be being down on Snell or Bieber than being up on Snell. But yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I've thought about that one because I feel like I've been a little down on both. But I mean, Snell definitely has an elite arsenal. It's just he had a rough year last year. And see if he bounces back, but it's kind of I think it's about the right range. I think there's a few guys that. I would maybe, or at least a couple guys maybe that I would take ahead of him that are lower, but then a couple guys that are higher that I would take below him. So I think it's about right. I haven't gotten him anywhere and I'm not like prioritizing it, but I, w- I would probably draft him if it kind of fit right third round, like early to mid third round. And I didn't have a pitcher. I could see myself taking him. Well, yeah, as I'm looking at this next tier below, I could see myself taking a couple of these arms ahead of Snell. And we'll take a quick break here, and then we'll come back and talk about these six pitchers, and I'll mention the ones I'd take ahead of Snell from that. Okay, we are back, and I have six pitchers to list here for uh, first off, we got Luis Castillo, who had the great first half, really great season last year, but an incredible first half with the Reds at 43 overall. Patrick Corbin with the Washington Nationals at 46. Lucas Giolito with the White Sox at 50. Aaron Nola with the Phillies at 54. Clayton Kershaw with the Dodgers at 55. And Chris Paddock at 56 overall with the Padres. So personally, I want to just list the guys here I would take over Snell and Bieber. And then I'm curious to know your thoughts. But Corbin and Kershaw are the two that stick out to me as guys. I think I'm taking both of those guys ahead of Snell and Bieber. Are any of these guys going ahead of them for you? Uh, I would take possibly Castillo. Yeah, I might him too. Corbin, I, Corbin and Kershaw, I think, are close, and I'd take Snell ahead of the rest of them. Yeah. Okay. There's actually there's actually one guy in the next tier I would take ahead of every single one of these guys. Oh, well, that'll we'll be fun. To are you comfortable going into the season with any of these guys as back-end starting pitcher ones or as your ace? Yeah, I actually, I'd be comfortable with Castillo, Corbin, uh, with Kershaw, Kershaw, Giolito, and Nola. I would just want to back them up pretty quickly. Not so much like Kershaw's performance, just just the innings, but I I have a feeling he's going to, I don't know, I have a good feeling about Kershaw this year for where he's going. It's all a feeling, obviously, anybody can get hurt, but... I think he – I was just really impressive with Kershaw last year. I felt it just came together really well. I mean, he's obviously not what he used to be, not even close, but he's still really damn good, you know. So I would 
feel decent about him as my one. I'd like to have him backed up with another guy, but uh, yeah, if it's Giolito or Nola, like I got Giolito in one league, 20 teamer as my ace, and I didn't feel great about it. I liked Giolito last year. He was great for me in multiple leagues, but we're just assuming that this is the new norm. I mean, I kind of want to see it again. He He had a lot of really good changes last year, and Dropped his uh, dropped a sinker, used his fastball and change up more, and they both got better. So that's good, but I'm not quite as comfortable with Giolito and Nola personally. Yeah, I'm with you on both. And well, let's talk about Kershaw there. You were mentioning having a good feeling about him, and Alex Brown actually asked us a question about him, and that is what we think of the effect of Kershaw working with Driveline could do for him this off season. And I've always viewed Kershaw as a pretty smart guy. So getting more information sure does intrigue me personally. Do you think this is, is this part of the reason you're intrigued by him and having a good feeling or not really much of a factor for you? Uh, maybe a little bit. I feel like it, you wonder, you wonder if it maybe could help bring back his velocity. I think I heard, I think mm-hmm. I heard something where his uh, velocity was a tick up. Maybe that was somebody else. I can't remember. I think uh, I heard the early, same. Yeah, that which obviously, I mean, that's huge. I mean, I think he can work in the low 90s and still be a really good pitcher. But obviously, if he got any any of it back, I mean, that, that would be huge. Uh, one thing with Corbin, kind of a floor pick, but last two years, top 15 starter, the only guys that have done that. Both years, Cole, DeGrom, Scherzer, Verlander. So, obviously, that's awesome. And with Castillo, it's so it's so different because he actually throws his changeup. Last year, threw his changeup more than his fastball. Uh, you throws it a third of the time, almost a third of the time, second most used changeup in the league. 199 opposing slugging percentage against his changeup. Just completely unhittable, probably the best changeup in the league. Mm-hmm. So yeah, these guys are interesting. Paddock, I'm pretty much out on, but that was what I was ready to ask you about. Cause you were in on him last year, but that was also with a really cheap price. And this year, now it's a heavy price. You're talking the fourth round. You're taking them as probably a high end, or like a high end starting pitcher too here. Seems a little steep for me for a guy who, I again, this is more of a command control guy who is a, also a two-pitch pitcher. I don't think his curveball still has developed that much to where he's a fastball changeup guy I, who you don't even know how many innings you're going to get out of him. He only threw 140 last year, so I wouldn't expect much more than 170. So yeah, this is a very heavy price for a guy like him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, I actually really like Paddock. I mean, I he was my rookie of the year pick last year, and he was obviously mm-hmm. really good. And I'm definitely a fan of the pitcher. I mean, I like watching him pitch; he's fun to watch. But he throws two pitches, his fastball and his changeup, a total of ninety percent of the time. Jeez. First time through the lineup last year, two forty seven ERA, three oh seven FIP. Second time through the lineup. 456 ERA, 511 FIP. 
And now the league's seen him once. I mean, I just kind of wonder, like, is this going to be a thing where he just struggles to get deep into games? And then add on to the fact that he did only throw 140 last year. I mean, what's his ceiling for innings, even even if everything is really good? Like 175, 180? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this guy's not going to even sniff 200 innings. And pretty much everyone else in this range from, like, he's at 17 with the ADP. Everyone else from 12 to all the way down to really 22, maybe even 25, is at least capable of that or close to it. I mean, there might be – there's one guy in here that I see that I don't think will get get there. But, yeah, I mean, they're all capable of it. So it's just kind of everything has to come together with performance and getting through the – you know, second time around the league, all that stuff, you know, you hear it a million times, but I just have a lot of questions with Paddock on that. And I mean, I still like him. I'm just not going to own him this year. Not at this price. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. Now we're going to move on to pitchers going in the fifth round. We got Charlie Morton, Tampa Bay with 61 overall. You Darvish with the Cubs at 63. Zach Grinke at 67. Tyler Glass now at 70. And Noah Syndergaard with the Mets at 71. So we got an intriguing list of guys here to take as a solid number two. And Andrew, you were just mentioning one of these guys further down. You'd take ahead of everybody the tier above and even the tier above that. Which guy is that? Darvish. Um, I've done a lot of studying with Darvish this offseason. Early in the offseason, I remember I was kind of like, wow, he's going here and I threw me off a little bit and I dug a little bit more into him and I would take Darv. I probably on my personal list, I think I would have Darvish like nine or 10. I think he's like right there for me with like Luis Castillo and Clevenger. Obviously Clevenger would, I would have taken Clevenger without the injury ahead of him, but. Yeah, kind of now. Clevenger should be back mid-April, so he should be fine. But June 1st on, his K-minus walk percentage was third in baseball behind Cole and Verlander. June 1st on is two-thirds of a season. I'm not, like, putting together small sample sizes. His K-to-walk was over 10-to-1 in that time frame. Pitchers with under a 5-to-1 in that time frame. Jack Flaherty, Mike Clevenger, Clayton Kershaw, Steven Strasburg, Noah Syndergaard, Lucas Giolito. Since he entered the league in 2012, he's third among active starting pitchers in K-rate behind Scherzer and Sale. It's just kind of a combination of, I think he's going to get a ton of Ks. I think he's going to get a ton of innings and the whip and everything. I just think it's, I think he's an ace, like a low-end ace probably. And at 19 off the board among starters, I, I mean, I just don't understand at all why you would take Chris Paddock ahead of you, Darvish. doesn't make any sense no. to me. No, it's funny. I remember a year ago as we were doing this podcast, and Darvish, I think, was a starting pitcher four in ranks or something like that. And the thing we were saying was, we don't doubt the skills. The question is, can he stay healthy? And 
What was interesting is in the first half of last year, he was healthy and he looked, I should say he was pitching and he was pitching horribly. I remember when you and I went and saw the Cubs Cardinals game in May, I think it was, he looked lost walking everybody balls going to the backstop. And it wasn't long after that, that it seemed like things clicked and he was right there with some of these other guys like Flaherty is the best pitcher in the game in the second half. And now we go into this year, and yeah, I'm with you on him. I didn't get any shares. Wish I had, because I definitely agree that he can be have a dynamite season. And, and again, I just think it goes back to hopefully he stays healthy, and really, he's thrown 178 innings in two of the last three years. If he can do that, yeah, I think you're going to get a real good bargain there. Yeah, the thing, the thing with Darvish, too, it's like he, for the first... I think it was up till right around Memorial Day was when it turned around. But the first part of the season last year, he was bad. Mm-hmm. And then, like you, like you said, and then he took off and he was great. The whole rest of the season, he was absolutely great. Elite ace. I mean, he was, from for those four months, I mean, he was arguably the best pitcher in the NL. And it's like, if you think that he's going to be the previous version that was bad in April and May, then obviously you're not taking him here, but what is the reasoning that that would happen? Like, I don't really get why he would just go from the guy from June 1st on back to the guy that he was before that, especially when you factor in that it's not like this came out of nowhere. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've seen, we've seen you Darvish be a top of the line starter before too. So kind of add all that up and, some are probably saying I'm a homer, but I definitely would take uh, Darvish higher than this. I like Granky too. I haven't gotten any Granky. I think Granky's a solid pick here. Glass now, a lot of upside. Kind of the same with Cindergard. Morton, solid. I, I like this tier, actually. I mean, it's just one of those where if these guys are your top starter, you probably want to get another one that's at least in or close to this group. I mean, like we're, you had mentioned a little bit earlier, but I'm in a draft now, three, four turn. I didn't take a starter in the top two and I took, or in the first two rounds and I took Darvish and Kershaw back to back. So love it. Yeah. Just, just something like that where, you know, if you're not getting one of those top end guys, you might want to move a little quicker on your second, but you know, if people think you're a homer now, wait till we get to Kyle Hendricks. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, other guys on this list, um, we got Morton, who is going to retire this year. And he, you know, a year ago, going back again, I was wondering how he was going to do outside of Houston, where he hit his elite skills. And he showed them again. And I'm I ended up getting a share in one of my last drafts and really liking the him at this price too in terms of a pitch to grab. But Grinky, Glassnow, Syndergaard, any thoughts on any of those three guys? Or or more I, I, back up. I really like Glassnow's upside. If I mean per inning, I think Glassnow has a chance to be a top five guy top 10 guy I mean with him it's a question with inning it was kind of like what when I said with Paddock all the way down you can project these guys to at least push 200 innings I don't think you can project that with Glass now but 
I do think that the innings he pitches are going to be elite. So everything with him looks really good. Obviously, he's kind of an ascending, you would hope, starter. And, um, yeah, he, he could definitely really, really break out. It was kind of sad last year because he was looking like he was going to do it, and then he got hurt. So, But, yeah, the one thing I would just keep in mind is any of these, anybody can get hurt. Like, don't, over, don't overrate the injury tag when it comes to pitchers, especially in a redraft league. I mean, it's a one-year sprint. You need them to stay, stay healthy for one year. And I don't think too many of them are that much more or less likely to do it than the others. I mean, there's a little bit of that in there, but I think some of it is narrative and overrated. Yeah, I was uh, really con- – I have been concerned this offseason with some of these arms, mostly the guys who I felt like it wasn't addressed during at the end of the year. A couple of these guys, Sale and Snell personally, in terms of where their prices were. Yet, I've been kind of in on glass now this offseason. Not sure if there's anything I can even say to defend why I like glass now at this price. Maybe I'm, maybe it's just the bias of glass now pitching well while the other two kind of had some struggles. But I am. But he has to stay healthy and pitch well at this price. And I was looking right now at what his innings pitch were the last few years and uh, pitched um, only 60 last year, 113 the year before. I will say he did throw 150 with the Pirates in t- that 2017. So maybe he can get back up to that 150, 160 to 175 range this year if he stays healthy. But there is a lot of risk in there just because of what happened. But you have the potential to get an ace out of him. Maybe not 200 inning ace, but we'll see. Yeah, one one thing I'd be aware of just kind of when you're building your rotation is if you have a guy like Glass now or Paddock or one of these guys that the ceiling for the, or the ceiling for innings pitched is just capped, just be aware of it and don't stack too many of those mm-hmm. guys because you're going to need volume. I mean, I've kind of said like don't don't draft volume just to draft volume. If it isn't good volume, then it's replaceable. But at the same time, you don't want a bunch of guys that aren't giving you the bulk innings, you know, and and it seems same thing when you get into a little further down, we'll get into guys that contribute more in certain categories, but it's kind of the same idea. You just want to be aware of who you're putting guys like, Paddock and Glass now around. I mean, if you're taking one of them behind a guy that you anticipate is going to get 220 innings, it may not be as bad. So that said, I mean, on the day that, J- that Justin Verlander get- left the game early, it kind of just proves that how many of those guys do you really know for certain? You know, it's just it's tough. What about Cindergaard here? Fifth round. Guy who the last couple of years, ever since he had that biceps injury, I think it was in 2017, he's not been great. He's just been all right. I mean, he his year in 2018 was solid through in a but only 154 innings. Last year he's through 197, so he stayed healthy for pretty much the whole year. But 4.28 ERA, just right out of strikeout per nine, not walking many guys. So some people would could say he was unlucky, but. Then again, when you get into the stat cast data on this guy, his spin rate, I remember hearing this last year, is one of the lowest in the league. 
so he's just making it off of velocity. What are your thoughts on Syndergaard, the pitcher, in terms of value? I think it's about right here. I think that, you know, he's basically being drafted as a number two. And, I mean, I still think that there's ace upside in there, but it just kind of feels like his career to this point has been a letdown. And it's still been mm-hmm. good. I mean, his numbers his numbers are still good. It's more just innings based. I mean, this it's this big six six, two forty hulking man that you expect to be extremely durable. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the perfect body size and all that. And then it's like you look at these innings pitched and it's 150, 183, 30, 154, 197 last year is good, but I don't know. I just feel like it's been kind of a letdown overall. I still think that if you pair him with a ace you feel real good about, maybe he's that and you've got, you know, you've got your two aces, but I don't know. I'm kind of just middle of the road with Cindergard this year cuz I kind of see both sides of it. I've always I've always kind of been on the higher end, but I'm kind of dialing it down this year a little bit with him, but maybe this is the year he explodes. <laughs> I've had this a weird feeling that it might. It's not been enough to get me to draft him anywhere. I do have him in Rotomasters too, and maybe it's just hopeful thinking on my part. I don't know. I just had a little bit of a feeling, but we'll see. I'm probably going to be disappointed again this year. But um, do you remember who I traded to acquire Syndergaard straight up three years ago in that Dynasty League? Not offhand, no, but I know it was probably a big name. It was uh, some rookie who had just come up and had two hot weeks. <laughs> Named Cody Bellinger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, wait- I was waiting for that one. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have that one back. Okay, well, let's move on to this next tier here. We got three more three guys here right together, and that would be Trevor Bauer with the Reds at 81. Brandon Woodruff with the Brewers at 85 and Jose Barrios at 86 overall. So these three pitchers personally feel very different. Bauer pitched at a high level just a few years ago, but he gave up a ton of home runs last year. Woodruff had a really good breakout season, but doesn't have the track record yet. And Barrios has been solid for three seasons in a row, but not spectacular. So how would you rank these three guys? I'm probably not getting these guys in redraft leagues, but I would probably rank them Woodruff, Bauer, Berrios. If I had to, if I had to rank them, that's exactly how I'd have them. Yeah, typically, I think I think the reason, just how I said, I probably won't get them is I usually try and have two before I get to here. Mm-hmm. And once I have two, I feel like I can wait quite a while till I get my third and fourth. Quite a quite a while, actually. I'm kind of scrolling down, and it's there's a lot of I think starting here and moving down. There's a lot of similar guys that you can at least envision being number two type starters not that they all will but that 
you could see, you know, you can kind of squint and see it. I just think it's a very large tier and these guys are kind of being drafted on the higher end of that tier. And I don't think that they're really much more special than some of the guys going further down. So I think that's why I'm just not really drafting these guys, but it doesn't mean they're bad or anything. You know, it's, you got to have somebody here and maybe it's validated that they're the ones, but just kind of how I view the tiers as they stack up, you know, when I'm going through a draft. So for starters, I agree. I'm not really, I haven't drafted anybody from this tier and it's been the same thing. I've taken two pitchers by now and also waited but if I only had one arm at this point, I think I'd take Woodruff and feel pretty good about it. I mean, I wouldn't feel great, but I'd still feel pretty good. I, I like him. He was he had a really good year last year, really impressive. But he also only threw 120 innings and really hasn't crossed over that 110, 120-inning mark the last few years. So you're not getting the you, – you it's hard to project the innings. Like Steamer hasn't projected for 183 innings. And I just – I don't know if I can see a world with that unless the Brewers just decide, screw it, we don't care. That seems very aggressive for the projection there. Um, let's talk about Bauer's disappointing performance in that Little League ballpark in Cincinnati. Last year you talked up Chris Archer to me saying that – at his price, I should say. But saying that – with the strikeouts, even though the ERA was bad in 2018, he was the 35th best pitcher, and there was room for upside. And, well, that didn't work out, and I'm not casting stones there. I thought it was good logic. No one expected things to go that bad with him last year. So moving back to Bauer, this is, is this a similar thought process on why people could should take him here? Even if he has a 4-plus ERA, he could still be a top 30 pitcher for the strikeouts with room to be an ace. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've always really, really liked Trevor Bauer. I, I was a fan of his in the minors and, you know, kind of followed him. That was kind of the early stages of when I was really following minor league baseball a lot. And I remember watching a few of his starts in Reno and all of that stuff. But I think the thing with Bauer for me, at least this year is, I just think that there's guys farther down that you could say the same thing about. And I, I definitely have, I definitely have one in mind. It's, I'm, we're not going to get to him tonight probably, but it's, it's Robbie Ray. And I'm not saying that Robbie Ray ratio wise is probably going to help like Bauer is, but Robbie Ray is also going at 153 overall Bauer's going at 81. I mean, I can I can make the argument for Robbie Ray is more elite in K's, and you know some of that the rest of it kind of is what it is. I mean, some of it's batted ball luck and all types of stuff. But I like Bauer not getting him this year, like I said. But it's more just because he's on the high end of a very large tier, and some of the guys like Ray and there, there's some other ones we'll get to when we get to them. I would just rather draft like 60, 70 picks later. You know, that's, if I think that there's any type of similarities, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wait. And I just don't really see a lot of reason to, to take these guys in this spot when I can get these other ones later. But like, like we said, I mean, 
somebody has to be ranked here, so it's fine. And then there's Berrios here. He's thrown right at 200 innings and gotten close to 200 strikeouts each of the last few years and had an ERA there in the mid threes, high threes. But I don't know. I personally, I, I'm not too in love with him at this price. What do you, you're saying you're not taking anybody right around here. So I'm assuming you're going to say the same. Yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch Berrios here. I, I feel like his stuff is like mid rotation type stuff and he's going in as a clear number two. So I just think that there's not a lot of upside. He's like one of the, you know, kind of a, prototypical solid mid rotation durable type starter that you hear about you know that people talk about but I don't think that there's a lot of upside or great stuff I think it's just solid and if you're leaning Guys, you on get dur- later yeah if you're leaning on durability which I think a lot of people do with Barrios it's like well that could have that could change in a, any moment you know and then what are you leaning on it's kind of like what I said earlier, obviously on a different scale, but with Verlander, I mean, Verlander is like the most durable guy on the planet. And today he went down. So it just, it's just a reminder that you shouldn't be constantly just leaning on, oh, this guy doesn't get hurt. Because if that's all that you're leaning on, then you're not going to have anything when he does. I'm not saying that'll happen with Berrios. He'll probably be fine. But as the 25th starter off the board, I'd just rather – I feel like I can wait a while. Man, I, I tell you, I'm looking down the list. I could go so far down this list and be comfortable. There's guys in like the 50s, 40s and 50s, that I could take as my three and four and be good with. I'd probably take them quickly, you know, not wait too long. But after I took my third to take my four, but I could wait quite a while. There's a, definitely a – just a huge group to me that it's kind of all over the board. So steamer agrees with you. You know, steamer's got him projected for a 4.47 ERA this year. That is not good. If you get that and yeah, four, four, seven is what they're projecting him. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Not good. Okay, well, that's where we're going to cut off part one of the Starting Pitcher podcast. And Andrew and I will be back soon, and we're going to break back in and do the everybody after top 25. We'll see how things go from there. But thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon. Take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.